welcome into the Tricky Takes podcast. I am your host, Austin, and I'm here with my usual co-hosts, Connor. What's up? And Billy. Hey, guys. Well, uh, we have one perfect bracket remaining. Congratulations, Connor, on banking round one. Um, do you think, uh, how, how do you like your chances going into round two? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm really loving it. The way all the teams that I picked played, uh, as well as, you know, obviously having both favorites move on from round two. Uh, I think that it's going to keep riding all the way through. What can I say? I, I doinked it uh, round one, had a crazy comeback to help me out. Shout out Jags. <laughs> also, shout out Joey Bosa for the help. Yeah. I don't know how much that necessarily changed the outcome. Um, but how about Trevor Lawrence with bounce back of the century, throwing four picks in the first half and then um, playing an almost perfect second half of football and leading an incredible comeback? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, you love to see a young guy like that. And this is his second year, and he had – one of the worst halves of football that we've ever seen, you know, tried to rival Nathan Peterman with five picks and a half doing it in a playoff game, no less his first playoff game. And then to come back and just absolutely ball out in the second half to give his team the win. I mean, you, you've got to give the kid props for that. Uh, and then, you know, celebrating at Waffle house afterwards as the typical Florida man would do. And you just, you love seeing that from the young guys out here. We've celebrated our fair share of of just general victories, not necessarily sports games, but just life victories at the Waffle House. So uh, respect for the Jags for going and and, uh, and doing that. I mean, not everyone went, but Trevor Lawrence did, and, and he's the guy there. So, yeah, that was cool. Billy, what would you think of that game? Dude, what a game, man. Definitely by the end of the first quarter, we were like, okay, it's a blowout, you know. I was like, man, I, I'm – I knew the Chargers were probably the better team, and I went with the Jags just based off my heart and kind of who was hot at the moment. And uh, but man, T Law and the and the guys turned it on. I also think really interesting for the Chargers to only run the ball like eight times down the stretch. Uh, you know, when you're trying to run the clock out, obviously the Jags are making a massive push for a comeback, and and you're you know still passing the ball and and, and you know, leaving time on the clock for him, but shout out to the Jags, man. And uh, as we saw, as we saw yesterday, uh, Chargers let go of Lombardi, their OC quarterbacks coach guy. So uh, somebody had to bite the bullet for that performance and kind of the underwhelming season. Some of us thought it would be Brandon Staley, but he keeps the job for now. And uh, now they're looking for some new assistant coaches. I mean, not and not only did they just not run the ball at all, they didn't use Austin Eckler. And they've got one of the best running backs in the game right now. And, again, they only carried the ball eight times in the entire second half, playing with the lead up until the final seconds of the game. I mean, that's – I think you have to blame the head coach on that. At some point, the head coach has got to go and override the OC. And I mean, you, I, I'm honestly shocked that Staley still has a job at this point. Yeah, yeah, but you have to pin a lot of it on Justin Herbert himself too. Um, you, he needs to to play better in these uh, big games. And Justin Herbert's never been a winner. Um, 
in college, he played at Oregon and Oregon didn't really do much in his tenure there. And uh, now he's gotten, you know, in, into the NFL and he hasn't really shown the ability to win in the NFL either. And I think that's what makes Trevor Lawrence so special is he's just won everywhere he's went. And he won like two state championships when he was in high school, won uh, national championships in college. And now he's in the NFL winning when it matters and playing really well down the stretch and then winning playoff games, making a crazy comeback. So I think to me, like I said before, you know, on last week's episode, talking about this game, this game is the matchup of the future quarterbacks. And I think it'll kind of be a really good preview of the future. And if I'm starting an NFL franchise right now, and I got to choose between Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback, I think this week answered it. I'm going Trevor Lawrence. He is the better quarterback to me. And I understand people who still want to believe in the and the uh, crazy arm talent that Justin Herbert has. But I think Trevor Lawrence has shown that he's got every bit of it that Herbert does. Plus with that, those just intangibles. So for me, I'm, I'm fully aboard the Trevor Lawrence train and uh, happy to be so. I would have been wholeheartedly on the Herbert train. Uh, I mean, really even up until this past weekend, just because he had shown, you know, consistent talent in the NFL. But like you said, he's just not a winner. Uh, he's never won the games when it mattered. You know, he's kept his team in games, but he he's yet to really show that he can be the reason that his team is going to win and move on and push through. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like you were saying, he's been doing that the whole second half of the year. You know, just going out there, putting the, the Jags in a, a great spot to win games. And, and, you know, Justin Herbert just hadn't managed to do that. He's won some games, sure, but he's not doing it all on his own. And it almost seems like Trevor Lawrence is out there just absolutely making it happen by whatever means necessary for the Jags. I think it's fair to bring up the debate. Is there a lack of dog in Justin Herbert? You know, Trevor Lawrence has always had that kind of killer instinct. Justin Herbert is a very quiet quarterback, you know, star quarterback in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he has no social media presence. I'm not saying that's a big deal. And I don't know what he's like in the locker room. But, you know, he's he seems like kind of like a shy guy. Uh, and so I don't know if he has that killer instinct, you know, where he's going to go put away games, like, and have no remorse for human life. You know, I think that's the difference, really, between him and Trevor right now. He doesn't quite have that public persona that we've come to expect from. A lot of the, you know, star quarterbacks around the league, you know, the Lamars, the the Aaron Rodgers, they'll, they'll come out and do stuff. So, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I hadn't thought of it like that before, but no, you're, you're right. Yeah, and they got a lot of alphas on that team. You know, you look at – they got Khalil Mack. They got Bosa, Keenan Allen. Um, Eckler's another guy that's, you know, not as, you know, present as far as us – as far as we see it, you know. But they got some dogs on that team. Derwin James, Asante Samuel. All those guys are defensive guys, you know. You need that leader on offense outside of Keenan Allen, who's, you know, now getting up there in age. And, you know, as you see throughout the season, durability concerns, he's kind of losing a step a little bit, honestly. But, yeah, I mean, they need that vocal, vocal leader on the offensive side of the ball, that fiery guy that's going to get them going and get them on those big drives to win games late in games. and. Just don't know if Justin Herbert has that yet. 
And I don't know if that's just, I'm not sure that's something you just attain, you know, that's something you kind of have, especially at this point. Yeah. Uh, another young guy that does seem like he's got that, that it factor that we're just talking about is Brock Purdy. And he, again, he came out kind of like Trevor in the first half of that uh, Seahawks game. And he, he didn't really look great. He looked a little rattled in the pocket there. But then come out second half, and then boom, another bites out performance from a young guy in his first playoff game. And anyway, he's he's the youngest quarterback ever, I think I saw, to have three touchdowns and 300 yards in their first playoff game. Is, is that correct? Austin, you're the stat guy. Um, I don't know if I saw that stat, but I, I did see an interesting stat, and it is an unbeatable stat. This is a, a record. It's a record that cannot be broken as the NFL rules present today that Brock Purdy set. Any guesses on what the record is? Uh, it would be, it would be, let me think. Most, most knots tied in your shoe uh, <laughs> in a playoff game. No, I think, I think that could be, I don't think there's anything in the NFL rules prohibiting that. Uh, the NFL rules are prohibiting anyone being drafted lower than him winning a, uh, a playoff game playoff game he is the l- lowest drafted quarterback to ever win a playoff game as he was the very last pick in the nfl draft that cannot be beaten it can only be tied and obviously there can be <laughs> undrafted players but those aren't drafted players so until the nfl draft is expanded that record will stand <laughs> that is kind of crazy yeah. to think about how, you know, what, 10 months ago, he was the last pick of the draft, third-string quarterback, and now he's won five or six games straight, including a playoff game, and playing with, I mean, insane confidence. I mean, the guy's got nothing to lose out there, so he's just going out every game and playing as hard as he can. It's got that chip on his shoulder, dude. Mr. Irrelevant. You know, I don't know if he was highly recruited, but I don't think he was because he went to Iowa State. It's not usually a place a lot of high, you know, four-star guys go. Uh, so, you know, you look at his journey, probably under-recruited out of high school, comes to Iowa State, balls out for three or four years, then doesn't get really the the NFL draft type, goes last, very last pick, dead last in the NFL draft, and, uh, you know, gets put on a third-string team, probably run the practice squad, and, uh, you know, here he is now leading – the 49er faithful to uh to playoff wins you know and uh this thing could have gone really south if brock purdy did not come in and do what he has done you know if brock purdy came in and looked like you know zach wilson so far like you know the 49ers would be out of it and gino would still be playing in the playoffs you know uh so just for him to do what he has done so far has been really impressive like you said, Colin, he's got a ton of confidence, got a chip on his shoulder. He's just out to prove everybody wrong, man. And, you know, if he, if he takes his team to a Super Bowl, what happens to Trey Lance? You know, that's going to be a fun conversation in the offseason if that does end up happening. You know, if he takes his team to a Super Bowl and wins it, do you really kick your Super Bowl winning quarterback to the curb and hope for this guy <laughs> with all this potential? I don't think you can at that point. I mean, you've, you've kind of got to make that decision. Obviously, you make them duke it out in, in practice and the training camps and everything, but 
you got to at least give him a shot. And his value, like on the trade market, is going to be low because he's coming off, you know, a knee injury. And uh, obviously, you don't want to like trade him off this. But I guess it kind of depends on what you think he's going to be like when he comes back. It's it's a really tough spot the the Niners are in. Jimmy G's gone after this year. I think that's just the fact mm-hmm. of the matter. Um, there's going to be several teams who would, you know, have an improved quarterback if he was on their roster. So I think he will land a job somewhere, but the rookie incoming rookie quarterback class is deep. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo has gone to a Super Bowl in his career, but I think when you're talking about the 49ers, I, I don't think that was because of Jimmy Garoppolo. And while we're, I'll sing all the praise of Brock Purdy all day, I don't necessarily think the 49ers are so good because of Brock Purdy. I think he is a cog in, in that machine, but I don't know if he is necessarily what's powering it. When you look at you know the rest of that roster, Debo Samuel, you know, can do basically anything he wants on a football field, 30, you know, rushing yards and 130 receiving yards. He's got plenty of weapons. And then, you know, what, what those guys can do on the ground, Christian McCaffrey had like 120 rushing yards. So that whole team is looking really, really hard to stop. And I feel bad for the giants having to run up against them next week, but Giants pretty good Vikings team and they made them look not very good last week. So what'd y'all think about that Giants Vikings game? <laughs> the the Giants made the Vikings look like the frauds that everyone's been saying they are all year. Uh I, I know the Vikings played really good football all season and they had a lot of close games, uh, but they won them all, which is the important part. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going out there to win, and that's what the Vikings were doing. But I think because a lot of those games were so close is what kind of made everyone have the doubts. And also, you got to thank Kirk Cousins in primetime. I mean, it's just a curse of his. Uh, also, what was that play call on, on fourth and eight? Yeah, I get that Justin Jefferson was double covered, but I mean, you've got to have everybody know that they have to get out past the sticks. TJ Hawkinson had a man two yards from him, but he was only three yards from the line of scrimmage and he needed eight. So I just don't know what was going on there with the decision-making. That's one of those plays where it really shows how important having a mobile quarterback is Um, because while Kirk is a very good pocket passer, he has very low mobility. And uh, when you need a guy to extend a play, he's not that guy. And so when, you know, it's an obvious passing down late in the games and, you know, then you got guys double teamed, you need a, a quarterback that can scramble, um, either for the yardage or to give his guys time to go get open. And the pass rush did kind of get to him, so he had to make a decision quick. But, you know, Kirk Cousins had a decent game. Uh, I, now, yeah, Kirk played well. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have a your quarterback throw 31 of 39 completions for 273 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks, that's not on the quarterback. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. He's eighty <laughs> percent. Yeah, plus plus adding a rushing touchdown in, and with that, yeah. Well, I think the thing is, you look at their ground game. Also, Dalvin Cook, fifteen carries for sixty yards, long of eleven. You know, you need to, you need a little bit better production, I think, out of your your running back room than sixty yards on the ground. 
uh, for a game, especially in the playoffs. But, yeah, I don't know. The the Vikings' defense and primetime Kirk was the issue kind of all year, right? And mm-hmm. the defense, you know, did not look prepared to play. Not even remotely. Well, I don't know. Yeah. They, they have run, trotted out the exact same defensive scheme every single week. It's like quarter, quarter halves for four quarters of football. Right, yeah. And it just gets exposed. And the only time I ever saw them run anything different, shocker, is when they destroyed Indianapolis in the second half of that football game. They went completely away from the game plan that they've been doing all year in that because they realized that it was getting exposed by the Colts and they changed it up and it worked for them. And then they went right back to it the next week. And they stuck with that again. So for every single half of football, except for one half of a game, they trotted out the exact same defensive scheme. It was the most predictable thing in all football. And I mean, Daniel Jones lit them up. I mean, Daniel Jones had over 300, over 300 passing yards and 80 rushing yards. Yeah. Well, and at one point he had rushed like seven of eight plays in a row, and four of them he got a first down. Yeah, I mean, it's dude, talk about guys that have that dog in them. I don't yes. care what you say yeah. about Daniel Jones, man. He's got that dog in him. He'll fight for every yard. You know, he's not one of those quarterbacks that's going to step out of bounds to avoid the hit. You know, he'll no, he throws his shoulder right turn, into that. Dude. Yeah, he's mean. All right, so let's move over to the AFC side of things. Start off with. What I thought would be a blowout actually turned into a, a very good game. Dolphins Bills. So it starts off, you know, 17 nothing. And then the Dolphins come roaring back. Uh going to the half 2017. Bills get a couple touchdowns in the third quarter. Uh end up winning at 34-31. But Skylar Thompson, man, throws it 45 times. <laughs> Only completes 18 of those. So he was 40% completion percentage on the day, 220 yards, and uh, one touchdown, two picks. But, I mean, really, I think Miami kind of beat themselves. They had a lot of drops. They had a lot of time management issues. You know, I think kind of the story of the week so far, listening to sports talk radio and everything. Mike McDaniels at one point thought it was a first down, turns out to – it's fourth and inches. He can't get a playoff because he's calling, looking for a first down play. And uh, I think the Bill or the the Dolphins kind of come in there and beat themselves. They had a shot at it uh, with a backup, and then just with the drops and turnovers and, and time management. Even with a Bills team that went flat in the second half, you're you're not going to beat you know a team like that in their own building uh, in the playoffs making the mistakes you made so um what what did you get what was y'all's takeaways from this game yeah i i was honestly shocked when so i i was i ended up driving i had to kind of watch some highlights from this game later but i was shocked that the bills let them come i mean they had all the momentum going for them it was 17-0 either early in the second or even before the second quarter started (laughs) and then they just kind of fell off the gas from there on out until they, they came out hot from halftime. But again, they just kind of fell flat. And, you know, that's not really indicative of the Bills team that we've seen over the last, you know, this whole season, last season. They, they've been a team that's fought to the end. So, you know, that, that was kind of shocking to me. 
Uh, but you're absolutely right, Billy. The the Dolphins beat themselves uh, on every facet of the game. They just didn't seem like they were prepared, really, uh, offensively. I mean, I, and granted, I know that you've got a backup, but you also had him, you know, in, in week 18 playing a game. So, you know, you, you'd already been prepared to have him. And I know that they were kind of thinking they were going to have two of back, but you got, you got to think at the same time, you know, you, you had to have that contingency in place. You had to be ready for it. And they just didn't seem like they were prepared at all on offense. You know, and like you said, there were some play calling issues, getting stuff in. Uh, they didn't really seem like they knew how to work the clock very well. It was just all very, very strange. Not things that you would expect from a team that's in the playoffs. You know, you, I know Mike McDaniels was first year head coach and stuff, but you know, you, you've made it all the way through the season. You've had all the time to get these growing pains out and you, you would have had to think that they've overcome it by this point of the year. My biggest takeaway from this game would be that the bills are very beatable, um, which I have been saying for a while now. Um, I think they're not quite as good as as everybody had thought they were because um, the Dolphins kind of played like crap and then were that close to them. Um, Josh Allen's a turnover machine this year, kind of like he was in the first two years, maybe even three years of his career. Um, picks left and right, plus fumbles. Um, seemed, I think the Dolphins um, had like three forced fumbles and two picks. So – uh, when you're turning the ball over that much and, and just kind of handing it where the defense can grab it, uh, you're not going to win that many football games playing like that. And especially not against teams who have their starting quarterback, unlike the Miami dolphins. Skylar Thompson did not play very well. Um, Jeff Wilson did not run the ball very well, but they still managed to to get in the end zone a few times. Um it was, but again, it was mostly on the defense for for Miami, just because yeah. the, the Bills' offense was was so poor. So I don't think you can say either team played well here, even though it was a high scoring game. Um, when you look back at the box score, you're just kind of like confused on how all those points were scored because it doesn't look like anyone really did anything. Um, and obviously, you know, Josh Allen threw for 350 yards, but um, you know, when you throw two picks, that's not a, necessarily a good thing. Plus, you know, getting sacked a few times and turning the ball over uh, on fumbles as well. Yeah, Skylar Thompson, though, he didn't lose the game for them either. I mean. No, uh, I mean, he also threw two picks, though. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but, what but they were still in the game. Yeah, what are y'all's thoughts on Josh Allen kind of being wrapped up with playing this type of hero ball football? I've heard that a lot this week as well. You know, always trying to score, you know, a 21-point touchdown and and always gunning for the big play. Like, you know, man, just throw it away or, you know, you take the sack. It's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I, uh, I think that's part of his, his game he's going to have to mature at, really. It is. And, you know, you, you don't expect that from a guy that's been in the league this long anymore, a guy that's been at his caliber you know, recently over the last several seasons, you know, you kind of expect them to grow out of that a little bit. And he has had a lot of success when he hasn't been trying to force those giant plays. I mean, you know, he, he doesn't need to play here while they've got the pieces around him. You know, they've got the receivers, he's got the weapons, he's got a solid defense that he can, you know, rely on for the most part. And, you know, he, he doesn't have to go out there and be the hero. 
he can go out there and make the smart play, you know, go through his reads. And he even has the ability to, to extend the play with his feet. But we're just not seeing that he's trying to, like you said, Billy, he's trying to force the ball in there and make some of those 21-point touchdowns, which just isn't going to happen. You know, I, I would expect that to have kind of dropped off by this point in his career. But, you know, you're absolutely right. He's going to have to mature out of that real soon if the Bills want to stay as dominant as they have been. So what's different in the equation uh, from last year on the Bills when Josh Allen was not afraid to take those dump offs and uh, suddenly now he's he's back to his previous form, seeming like he has to force it deep and he, and he doesn't like taking those checkdowns anymore. Uh, what's what's changed there? I, I've noticed something. Uh, maybe his offensive coordinator leaving. Exactly. So Brian Dayball is gone, and he is in New York. And do you want? Do you have any guesses on where Daniel Jones ranks on average, like depth of target? Oh, it's got to be low. I know he does a lot of dumps offs to Saquon. Uh, I believe it is thirty fifth in the NFL. <laughs> And uh, there's 32 teams, so he's throwing the ball shorter than all the backups that are coming in the game. So, yeah, I mean, Brian Dable clearly tells has a very strict emphasis on hot routes and dump-offs, and it seems like that's working for the Giants because um, they're winning football games with Brian Dable, who's, you know, encouraging that. And I, you've, you can watch Daniel Jones have a wide-open guy 50 yards downfield and then a wide open guy eight yards in front of him, he'll throw it to the wide open guy eight yards in front of him every time, simply because it's just like a guaranteed first down. And yeah. Daniel Jones doesn't care about touchdowns. He cares about first downs because he knows if you get enough first downs, eventually one of them is going to be for a touchdown because you can't get another one. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like golf, you know, you, you hit yourself into the shit. Yeah, you can still go for the green, but the smart play is to just play yourself back into fairway and and live for to see another day, and that'll you know have you shooting bogey instead of you know triple. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's I think that's kind of like you know Brian Dable must be a big golf guy. Uh, that's my analysis. <laughs> he's a smart golfer. Well, whatever he is, he's just turned that Giants team around, and it's been fun to watch him this season. Uh, but moving on to another AFC game, uh, another one I thought was going to be a blowout, uh, the Bengals-Ravens. I, Billy, when you were introing the last game, I thought you were talking about this game because you said you I thought it too. was going to be a blowout, and then it wasn't. <laughs> I know. I, I was expecting Bengals-Ravens here. But, uh, yeah, no, this was I, – I was shocked that they came in and kept it so close, the Ravens, uh, and really – could have won that game, honestly. The the Bengals looked very beatable. Uh, the, really, the only saving grace was having the longest fumble return for a touchdown in, in the playoffs. I mean, and also, Mark Andrews was moving on that play. Yes, he was. That looked like – he looked like DK Metcalf. Oh, my gosh. Baker, but it he was did. Freaking tight end, Mark Andrews. And I guess he wasn't hocking down a DB. He was hocking down Sam Hubbard, but Sam Hubbard can move. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he's still an NFL athlete. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't uh like uh he was chasing down like a big D like nose tackle like Vince Wilfork or something. So yeah, I was really happy with uh, how Tyler Huntley played. He's proven uh, over the past two seasons that he's one of the better backups. 
in the NFL, or at least for this offense he is. And uh, I think you can't be upset about what he did. Two touchdowns, one pick, um, and then, you know, showed that he's got some uh, some prowess with his legs too. He's obviously not Lamar Jackson, but when you can get 50 yard rushing yards out of your quarterback, that's going to be beneficial to the team. And uh, really it just comes down to that, like you said, that one big play by Cincy. Um, Cincy's offense was pretty stagnant. Obviously, Jamar Chase went and got his, but nobody else really made uh, made any big plays. Uh, Joe Mixon looked like he couldn't really get anything going on the ground. Uh, Hayden Hurst was actually their second leading receiver, which I guess shouldn't be that surprising. But when you've got T. Higgins, you expect him to show up bigger. Um, and uh, also Evan McPherson missing an extra point. Uh, there was a lot of missed extra points this week, but uh, yeah, Mc, you expect McPherson to be automatic on those. I wonder what was uh, wonder what was in the water this week. Uh, did did uh, the NFL pump in some extra wind? Do you think? Yeah, these kickers. That we'll we'll save the the other one for later. But man, it was a it was a rough weekend for the kickers. But yeah, it's, it's I mean for extra points too, especially. I mean, you you expect a, an NFL kicker to be able to put that in automatic, and I'm sure there are a lot of factors. And you know, one minor thing that goes wrong can really affect the outcome. Uh, thank you to Pat McAfee for really explaining that to a lot of us that don't know enough about kicking. Uh, it's been very helpful for my understanding, at least. I'm not sure about y'all, but yeah, it was it was tough watching that. Uh, but also, you got to think Joe Burrow. I mean, he had 209 yards and a touchdown passing, but it didn't really look like him and any of the receivers other than Jamar were really connecting. And I mean, he did that with Jamar on 12 targets, which was twice as much as anybody else on the team. So moving on to this next week. Well, we got one. We got one, oh, more, we got, we got one more game. Oh yeah, this this one. <laughs> yeah, this, this, one. this is uh this is the, the Monday night one. game. Uh, honestly, I I thought that a poor performance here from the Cowboys would have led to quite a few people uh, losing faith in Dak. Uh, probably McCarthy getting a, a new job, and just a lot going wrong for the Cowboys. But uh, you know, Dak looked really, really good in in this game. He, you know, he came up big finally when it mattered in a playoff game. I mean, twenty five of thirty three for three hundred five yards and four touchdowns, as well as another touchdown on the ground. I mean, really doing everything that he could to to win that game. And then you know, you've got your your kicker having you shouting to go for two on the sideline. Uh, missing four extra points uh, in the first half, there were five touchdowns scored, and not a single extra point was completed. That's got to be a record, right? I know that four missed extra points was a, a record for the an NFL kicker. Period. Uh, I believe I saw not not just a playoff record, just an NFL record. Definitely not before. I would ne- never expected that before the the. PAT was moved back several yards, but, but yeah, that's, that's still, you got, you got to do better than one for five, like bro. And then uh, Tampa's, they didn't even try an extra point or a field goal in the game. They had 14 <laughs> on two touchdowns, one missed two point conversion and one successful. So um, yeah, there was, there was one uh, 
ball put through the uprights in the entire game. On seven touchdowns scored. Yep. So this might be – I'm looking at the uh, – this on ESPN. So it's showing the line was Dallas minus two and a half. The over-under – this is odds by Caesar Sportsbook – was 45 and a half. Oh, they missed it. For that. <laughs> they missed it by a half. Yeah. It was 45. So if Maher could have made one of those four that he missed uh, – <laughs> Yeah, there would be a lot of more people happy because you know nobody bets the under. Jerry Jones is a um, savage for for that tweet he put out during the game as well. Just, I missed that. What did it say? Jerry Jones put out a tweet saying, "If anyone in the building knows how to kick a field goal, come down to the sidelines. We've got a jersey for you." Wow. Yeah that that had to have been an uh, awful plane ride home for Maher after. What should have been a, a super exciting moment for your team going on the road, winning a playoff game that big, but just have such an awful night like that. I mean, are you at least, I guess, thankful that it came in a game where you blew the other team out? Yeah, um, I saw that the the Cowboys signed a guy to their practice squad, another kicker. Um, I don't know. Uh, how do they handle this? I feel like trotting on a new kicker is bad, but I also feel like trotting him back out is bad. But he was good all season. Yeah. You, I mean, one bad day, I, I get it. Like, it sucks. But um, I don't know. I, I think if I were them, he made his last one he attempted. I think that kind of uh, maybe have give, given him some confidence, you know, being confident enough to, to make the fifth one. I think that might have given him the juice the confidence back to to continue as their kicker through the rest of the at least the rest of their playoff run. Uh, we'll see think, how they feel for going forward. Do you think he's glad they played that game in Tampa Bay and not in Dallas? He's oh. got to be doing that in front of a home crowd. I, I can't even imagine how much worse it could have been. I mean, at least they were happy, you know. <laughs> I mean, but but imagine your home crowd booing you probably before you even walk out. I mean, after that second one, I can't imagine the Cowboys faithful would uh, be too happy to see you trotting out there for number three. And then it just gets worse from there. I, I just would I would have loved to see that, honestly. But And uh, I guess we, we got to talk about it. But do you all think that we see Tom Brady again you know, after that? I mean, he, he threw the ball 66 times in that game. I completed 35 of them, but hey, my I, mean, hit. I had him over uh, 33 and a half completions. He hit. <laughs> oh, I had him yeah. over on attempts. <laughs> that definitely hit. <laughs> yeah, that hit. But yeah, I mean, what do y'all think? Y'all think we see him go somewhere new, stay in Tampa Bay? Does he just retire and take that uh, 350 million to be a broadcaster now? What do y'all think? I think. If he does come back, it's not going to be in Tampa. Uh, they just fired Byron Lefwich, or they're probably going to fire Byron Lefwich. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him going to Oakland with Derek Carr, you know, now on the block. Wait, who? I did it again. <laughs> Las Vegas. Uh, there's been some talk about him going there and reconnecting with McDaniels. But 
if he wants another Super Bowl, I don't see the path going through Las Vegas because that's a brutal division. You got to if he wants if he wants a Super Bowl, he's got to stay in the NFC. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to stay in the NFC South. Definitely, I think. Either that or go to like Tennessee or Indy. I still think you're gonna have to go through Kansas City the, and Buffalo yeah. in the playoffs, and I think and the Bengals yeah. now too. Don't count them out. Yeah, exactly. I, I think your best option staying in the NFC. Um, you know, I would. I mean, unless he goes to the 49ers. Imagine this. Imagine a world where Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back next year because on the Pat McAfee show he said he's not you know ready to think about next year. He might not be mm-hmm. back or whatever. Imagine a world where Tom Brady <laughs> replaces the pack, or replaces Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. And he's he's out there leading the Green Bay squad. What about at, Trey at Lance? Forty six for... years old. Mm-hmm. What about Trey Lance for Tom Brady? Mm. That's interesting. That is. Um, and then they re-sign Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo's <laughs> back up behind Tom Brady again. Tom Brady goes down, and then Jimmy G's back. In. <laughs> but. Again, you know, if Brock Purdy shows out in the in the rest of the he playoffs. The Super Bowl? And, yeah, like, I mean, would would you even want to make that deal? Because I mean, you've got two guys, both of them are young, both of them have shown talent. Obviously, Brock Purdy a little bit more, but uh, at that point, if he is to win the Super Bowl, but I mean, would you even want to take that risk? Because I mean, Tom Brady's contract is going to be a lot more than either of those guys, probably more than both theirs put together. Yeah, but there's so much that goes into acquiring Tom Brady. Yeah. Outside of just, you know, what you see on a Sunday. You know, right. There's, you know, San Francisco's got a good fan base as it is, but you guarantee you're never going to not be sold out, you know. Jersey sales through the roof, you know. All this, you know, you get so much stuff along with the player, especially at this point in his career when you get Tom Brady and on Tom's, board. Tom's a, from the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just tough for me to see this team beating Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there and he's going to make the plays regardless of who else is on the field with him. Uh, Travis Kelsey is, you know, he's probably going to be good for eight catches. They've all had a week of rest. Uh, and, you know, with as bad as Jacksonville looked in the first half, Kansas City wouldn't slouch off like that in the second half either. I mean, they're, they're not going to do what the Chargers did and, and just kind of lose control of that game. So uh, I, I just I see Kansas City rolling through this one. I, I think it might be close for a while, like we saw some of these other games uh, this weekend, but I don't think it will stay close for very long. Right now the weather is also projected to be 40 degrees and raining. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, never really a, a good condition for uh, offense. But uh, with these two teams, I think you're still likely to see a lot of offense. I mean, Gerald Everett had six for 109 and a touchdown against Jacksonville last week. Imagine what Travis Kelsey's capable of doing against them. And um, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, desi- is des- designated to return from IR. Uh, we'll see how much of a, of a role he has in his first week back. Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, is obviously just as good as Clyde, you know, in the run game at least. Not quite there in the past game, but that's just another element. 
that Edwards Lair will bring if he's there, um, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see um, these two guys go at it. It's again, just like last week's matchup with Jacksonville, just two generational quarterbacks who are going to, you know, have to duke it out for four quarters. Um, but as Connor said, maybe it's only three before Kansas city runs away or, Maybe it's two quarters of not duking it out, followed by two quarters of duking it out uh, like last week. So uh, we'll see. I, I do have to take Kansas City in this game. Um, I do think eight and a half points is pretty rich. I, I might have to take the, the Jacksonville plus eight and a half, honestly. I don't hate that. Um, over under is also 53 right now for ESPN, which uses Caesars Sportsbook. Um. Kansas City's minus 480 as well. Um, obviously outright, I'm taking the Chiefs, especially at home. Uh, the, the Jags defense, you know, came to play in the second half last week, but it still concerns me. Uh, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is capable of having an absolute come apart on the football field. <laughs> Uh, but this Chiefs defense is also very porous as well and is very young, especially in the secondary. So, yeah, I think this will this has the possibility to be a shootout, 38 uh, 30, maybe. And uh, but I like the Chiefs, especially at home uh, and in the playoffs. You know, they have a week off, they're a different team in the playoffs, man. They could, you know, have some ups and downs in the regular season, but when playoff times comes, they're solid as it gets. Um, so we all got the Chiefs there. Second game on Saturday, that's seven fifteen Eastern. You got the Giants and the Eagles, so a little NFC beast action. Right now, the Eagles are minus seven and a half at home. Uh, let me see. The over under is at forty eight. Eagles minus three sixty five. Weather will be forty four degrees and partly cloudy. What do you guys think about this one? Kind of an interesting matchup. Look, I've got the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I've got them winning the Super Bowl. Uh, that's not changing. Uh, you know, I'm keeping my bracket pretty much the same from last week. So if you listen to that, you'll hear a lot of the same stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I got the Eagles moving on. They're they're just the more complete team, top to bottom. Uh, that offensive line is going to be the difference maker there for them. And you know, Jalen Hurts having that extra week to to rest up again. You know, he, I know he went out week eighteen, probably a little banged up still, but he should be you know fully good to go now. Uh, and I just think that he's going to run away with it, figuratively and literally, uh, moving the ball on the ground. That that Eagles team is just something else to watch, and his connection with Devontae and AJ Brown has been ridiculous this season, and uh, that's just going to continue here. Yeah, Eagles win this game. Um, if the Giants are going to do anything on offense, it's going to have to be through the ground. So I expect um, another big rushing performance from Daniel Jones. Last time they played, the Eagles won, and Jalen Hurts wasn't playing. Jalen Hurts is completely healthy. He's completely off the injured list. So he's he's back, and I don't care that he hasn't played in a few weeks. There's no rust there. Um, you know, he, he played like – 13 or 14, I think 14 games. So um, I, I expect Jalen Hurts to to ball out, quite frankly. Uh, and I, like I said, eight and a half was rich. I don't think the line at 
uh, was it seven and a half is is too rich for me. I'll, I'll still take uh, Philly. Yeah. So last time they played, Daniel Jones didn't play either. Davis Webb That's quarterback true. to the the Giants. But when they did play, when everybody was healthy in the regular season in New York, the Giant or the Eagles won forty eight to twenty two. And uh, Devontae Smith had a day. Miles Sanders had an absolute day. But I just think you look at it, you know, it comes down to offensive-wise. I like what the Eagles have better on offense, especially with that O-line. And defensive-wise, I like what the Eagles have better on defense. You know, so there's there's no way I can pick the Giants here. Um, I think they've had a great first season under Brian Dable. They're going to have some interesting choices to make this offseason, especially with Saquon and Daniel Jones. Uh, but, you know, I think you the Giants are trending in the right direction definitely right now. Um, but in this game at home, I got to take the Eagles. Um, they're too talented. They match up better. Uh, they're, they're better on all three phases of the ball. So I've just – I've got to take the Eagles here. But that's my opinion there. So moving on to Sunday, first game of the day is at 2 p.m. Eastern. Bengals-Bills. Right now, the line is Buffalo. Can anybody guess what the line is? I want to say it's like plus four and a half. Um, gosh, with how both of those games win, I couldn't imagine it being any more than – than like three and a half. I think these are two about really even match games. And then, you know, got to give the home team the, the three and a half point, you know, line. So I'll go with three and a half. Right now they're, they're giving Buffalo minus five and a half. Mm, so yeah, that's that's where like it's at that. right now. What, what do you think on the over under? I would say it's at like 48 and a half, 47 and a half, right in that range. Um, yeah, I would have to agree somewhere in that range. I don't know. Neither of these, I don't know. Cincinnati's defense is, is pretty stout, but their offense has their offensive line, especially has been hurt. And then it's really the opposite where Buffalo's offense is healthy and their defense is hurt. So I think those kind of cancel out and then you get like a pretty normal under over under, I'm going to say 49 and a half. Oh, you're all over. It was 48. And <laughs> um, this Weather's supposed to be 33 degrees with clouds. Each of these teams coming in have won their last five. <laughs> Buffalo scoring 28.4 game since he's 26.1. However, since he's only given up 17 points a game and the Bills are giving up 31. So, going into this matchup, who do you guys like better? I, I still like the Bills uh, a bit more. Uh, I, I do think that it's going to be a tight game. Uh, I wouldn't give it any more than a three-point difference. But I think that the Bills are just going to kind of hold on at the end. They're just a team that knows how to win a football game. Obviously, a lot of it's going to come down to Josh Allen's decision-making. If he is going for the big play, I think Joe Burrow's been a bit better at that throughout the season, You know, making the smarter choices. But uh, I think that Cincinnati's going to have to get their run game going. I mean, they they didn't seem to to have that much going for it in that uh, game against the Ravens. Uh, Joe Mixon only had 39 rushing yards, I think, uh, and nobody else really had more than 10. 
looking back at it now. So, you know, that, that's going to be a big factor. If they can get that run game going, uh, and with Von Miller being hurt, they absolutely can because he was the one getting a lot of the pressure there. But, you know, I, I think Buffalo, Josh Allen, Von Diggs, uh, I think they're just going to get it done. They're a great offensive team, and I, I think they need to settle down a little bit and, you know, play to play to their ability. Yeah, this one is as close to a coin flip as it could be for me. Um, I I really, really like the Bengals, um, except for their offensive line struggles as, as of late. They've just been hurt there. Um, I like what they do on defense. I think that they're going to be able to, to get some key stops on Buffalo. I don't know if Buffalo is going to be able to, to stop the offense for the Bengals, as long as the Bengals can protect and Von Miller being out, like Billy said, is a huge detriment to that defensive line. I think, I think I'm going to go with the Bengals here. They were my pick to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I don't think they are anymore after seeing how they played um, in the first round. I think I would have to like, you know, Philly or the Chiefs or the Niners more now, but uh, I still think I like them over uh, the the current version of the Buffalo Bills. I like I also like Joe Mixon to have a much better game this week. I think that, that he's going to get something going on the ground, and the Bengals are going to have to win in the time of possession, which they've been pretty good at all year. Um, they they have always done really well in time of possession. I think that's where they're going to have to dominate the Bills in order to get a win. Um, the more I've thought about this game, the more I've gone back and forth on it. I started off liking the Bengals, or I started off liking the Bills. Then I kind of went to the Bengals, and now I'm kind of shifting back, back to Buffalo. Because I think about it, whose defense do I like more? I don't know. I mean, I guess I would say probably the Bengals, maybe. I don't know. Um... And then you look at offense, I think they're pretty, both pretty equal. I think, you know, Joe Mixon has his struggles. The O-line has their struggles. Um, I just think it's going to come down to the play of the quarterbacks. It's going to be Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow, who can make the better decisions, who can make the less mistakes. Um, And behind the quarterbacks, you got to look at the head coaches. You got Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott. I just think Sean McDermott's going to – out coach Zach Taylor and the Bills in Buffalo. I think I like them a little bit more right now than I like the Bengals. Um, you know, the Bengals just didn't look great last week. Neither did the Bills. Um, but yeah, I just think right now for me, yeah, it kind of is a coin flip, and I kind of feel like I'm I'm leaning more Buffalo. As of now. So moving on to the last game of the weekend. 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Dallas taking on San Francisco. Right now, the line is... What are y'all's guesses? I'm going to guess three and a half again. I have like six and a half San Francisco. Minus four San Fran. Over under 46, San Fran is minus 195 on the money line. 
and they're 12 and six against the spread. Dallas is 11 and seven. What are y'all's thoughts on this one? This is going to be an interesting one. I, I think that it starts off close uh, a lot like that Seattle game did for the 49ers. I think that Micah Parsons is going to be getting a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy early, getting him flustered. Uh, but I think like we saw, again, in that Seattle game, he's going to come out in the second half, be a lot more calm, uh, start extending plays a bit more on his feet. And I think that this is where Dak kind of falters a little bit. It's going into that second half, rushing up against that uh, 49ers defense. I mean, I, I love that 49ers defense. They've got pieces all over the field. Uh, Nick Bosa is going to be in there wreaking havoc uh, on Dallas's offensive line. And, you know, it's it's going to come down to, to what defense plays better, I think, more so than the offenses. Because uh, the offenses on the whole, just looking at them on paper, feel fairly even. Obviously, San Francisco's got the better weapons. But the way they've been performing, uh, I like them both about equally. So I, but I am still going to take San Francisco in this. Uh, they just hit it out. Uh, McCaffrey's going to be able to get it going on the run game against whoever he plays, and that's going to really – I think be the deciding factor. Um, this is going to be a tough game for Brock Purdy. Um, when you look at, at the games he played this year, he really only faced one elite defensive front. Um, you know, he played Miami, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Washington, Vegas, and then Arizona. And really, the only one of those teams that has a, a, an elite pass rush is the Raiders, and he was just fine against them. You know. Uh, 284 yards, two touch touchdowns, and a pick, and I think that's about the line you can expect from him this week. Um, going against Dallas, he has shown incredible poise in the pocket, so I don't necessarily think that it will will rattle him too much. But if it does start to get to him early, does he panic or does he change how he's played all year? Um, I think that's the deciding question. So I think it's important that Dallas gets after him early to try and throw him off because a, a rookie is more likely, I think, to kind of waver after he's been um, hit a few times than than a veteran. And then when you look at the flip side, Dak has been a turnover machine all year. He didn't have any against uh, Tampa last week, but the Tampa Bay defense is – not very good. And the 49ers have, you know, the best defense in football, if you ask most people. So um, I expect Dallas to, to turn the ball over a couple times. Um, Yeah. I, th- I think, I think I'm going to take, I'm going to take 49ers. Although, I mean, Dallas played super well. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they came out and, and, you know, upset the 49ers, but um, at home, in San Fran, you gotta like you gotta like the home team. Yeah, I'm leaning San Francisco. Uh, I think what they have on defense, you know, the Bucks defense, you know, pales in comparison right now to what San Fran's gonna run out there on Sunday. And uh, yeah, when you look at it, I don't still don't have the most trust in Dak. And uh, I think this 49ers defense is going to get after them. And I just, you know, even if Brock Purdy's not on his A game, like, 
they can still hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and they can still throw a, you know, quick screen out to Devo and he can take it to the house. Like, I just think that the weapons the 49ers have match up better if both quarterbacks are struggling, you know, because these, and then you look at, you know, the defense. Yeah, you got Michael Parsons and you got Trayvon Diggs. But, you know, outside of that, there's nobody really striking fear into the 49ers offense. This 49ers offense has a good O-line, too. So, yeah. uh, I just think when you break down the matchups, I give the advantage to San Francisco in more areas than I do give it to Dallas. And I think that's kind of what sways me. Do you like the over or the um, under more in this game? What I say was that again? 48? 46th. Is the okay. under over under? Um, it's pretty low. Yeah, I, I like the over on this one. I mean, both of these offenses, you know, the 49ers can score from anywhere on the field. So, uh, I, I'd say take the over on this one, but I also don't gamble. So, there's that caveat. <laughs> yeah, I'm an over guy. Uh, I don't tend to bet the under very often, except on Harrison Barnes. Total points tonight. I'm going under on that. Uh, last leg of my parlay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as far as this goes, I guess I would go over. I just think 46 might be a little low. Even though I could see this kind of turning into a defensive battle if both quarterbacks start to struggle. Um, yeah, I think the over is a trap here. Yeah. It they're seems like, trappy. They, Vegas knows something. Vegas does know. Uh, yeah, it um, does seem like a trap over under. I honestly wouldn't really touch the over under on this game. Yeah, I, I don't think I, think I, I would, would either. I would be comfortable taking San Fran minus four though. Maybe. Yeah, I like I, that. I like, I like San Fran money line. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for us, guys. Yep, hits on uh, all last week in these upcoming playoff matchups. So NFL season winding down to a close here. Um, yeah, it'll be another good week of football, honestly. Looking yeah. forward to it. We are not winding down, though. Uh, you know, keep, <laughs> keep listening after the NFL season. We're going to keep chugging along. We're going to move straight into, like, some fantasy, uh, dynasty fantasy football stuff. We're going to look ahead to the draft. We're going to look at, uh, you know, NBA March Madness coming up. Is March just Madness. The spring training. Uh, spring World training. Baseball Classic. Oh, World heavily. Baseball Classic. Heavily. Yes. A lot of a lot of baseball will be coming your way over the next couple months for sure. Yeah, where's the World Baseball Classic? Where's it being played at this year? I don't know. I don't, Still I don't, in the US. I don't know if it's necessarily just one place. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that the hosting works. But yeah, that uh, that World pretty much wraps it up. So, uh, if, is there anything else you want to say? Uh no. no, I think I'm I'm good, man. All right, yeah. So another uh, week, go another week down. Go check out uh, Phantom Sports Industries, uh, or and all the uh, wonderful articles they got there, and go check out our other podcasts um, that that Phantom has. Um, uh, I've been on quite a few of them recently. I'm planning uh, <coughs> to be on another one in uh, March first. I think is uh, I'm doing a, a mock draft with a couple of other guys from. From Phantom Sports. So if you're uh, into, you know, mock drafts, the rookie draft, um, be on the lookout for that. I will definitely uh, remind you uh, when that comes up. But uh, I think that pretty much uh, is all I got for you. So 
Uh, hope y'all all have a great week and uh, look forward to watching some more NFL playoff action. All right. Yeah, y'all have a good one, man. Yeah, take care. See you.